trailing three. Good protect. Pass the right cross. Oh, touchdown. Tampa Bay. Oh, Jay Howard. Fire them cannons. What a play. We are Bucks Nation, SB Nation's team blog for your Super Bowl 55 champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Come fan with us at BucksNation.com. Episode 5 of Season 3 of the Bucks Nation Podcast kicks off now. Welcome everybody into the Bucks Nation Podcast. Our special 2021 NFL Draft coverage begins today, everybody. My name is Jason Curtis, and I'll be your host for today. You can find me on Twitter at JCBucksNation. And I'm Chris Schoner, and you can find me on Twitter at CynicalBucksFan. This week, we're going to be doing a special three-part series called On the Clock. We have three shows lined up for you this week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Chris and I are going to be talking some good prospects coming out of the first three rounds. Who are the Buccaneers going to be picking in those first three rounds from pick 32 to number 95? And today we're going to be starting off with the first round pick number 32. And Jason, I've been looking at a few guys. And then the first one I want to start off with is Christian Barmore, defensive tackle out of Alabama. All now, right. this guy is an absolute monster in size. He is six foot five, 310 pounds. And in the past two years, he racked up 10 sacks at Alabama, eight this past year. And, you know, I think another good thing that he brings is, is he also has such a good size that he is really good at defending passes at the line, you know, batting down stuff when, when he doesn't get to the passer. But the problem with him is, is that there's a lot of people who look at him like he is not going to thrive at the pro level. And I don't know how much you pay attention to other Bucks media, but at Pewter Report, they recently had on Warren Sapp and Warren Sapp railed this guy, absolutely railed him, said he was not even worth a third round pick. You know, but I'm looking at him and I see the explosiveness. I see the ability to rush the passer and that is all over his college tape. You know, I I would have loved to see him stick around for another season, really gain some more experience. But, you know, he is able to come in this year and sort of play that situational pass rushing role at the three technique position. Um, He can get off of one on one blocks, but he does struggle a bit when he is double teamed. Unfortunately for Christian Barmore and and going into this year is he is not a very good run defender. This guy Mm. just gets driven back all the time and, and he would need to do a lot of work to be able to get there. You know, I think a lot of his pros are his size, the explosiveness out of his stance, and he does have some violent hand movement. This guy is smacking linemen out of the way and, and really is just able to, to drive some guys back. Vita Vea-esque, not quite there yet, but, you know, he does have that size to drive people back. And, you know, I think the the biggest con that I'm looking at with him is he just has issues with gap responsibility and he could really add in some moves on that second uh, second move once he gets blocked in. And, you know, Jason, what do you think about Christian Barmore and how do you think he would fit into this defense next year? Well, you brought up an interesting point about Vita Vea because Vita Vea is like, he stays low, right? He's not that tall guy where he's going to be out batting passes. He stays low. He drives the guy back, does that swim technique and he can get in there and he, he, he rushes the pass. In today's NFL, you've got to get that pass rush. I mean, you've got to get to the quarterback as quickly as possible because, yeah, I mean, like 80% of your plays are going to be passes because it's just a passing league, right? 
Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, but again, against the rush, right? I mean, you've got to look at some of these players, you know, Alvin Kamara, you got to be able to block him out and you're playing him twice a year. So you've absolutely got to block him out and you got to be able to uh, make sure that he's not running past you or anything else like that. It's an interesting thing because you've got the Dominican Sue, who's not a very, he's great against protecting against the rush. He's not a great pass rusher. So he's the opposite, right? You got Vita Vea, who's obviously one of the best in the league today at the pass rush. You've got the edge, though. See, that's the thing. You know, you've got that rush coming in from the edge with uh, Shaquille Barrett. You got JPP. Uh, you know, I don't know if. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, if he can't protect the run, uh, protect against the run, I, I don't see him coming into the first pick. I'm going to have to probably lean with Warren Sapp on this one. I'm going to have to maybe. I don't know about that. You know, I don't know. I'd have to watch a little bit more tape. I, you'd have to be comparable to a Golston. You'd have to be comparable to Sue McClendon. I mean, these guys that were brought in to protect against that run. You're listening to special NFL draft coverage here on Bucks Nation. We're talking about the Buccaneers first round draft pick. We were just talking about Christian Barmore. We're going to talk about another guy here on defense, sticking with that side of the ball, Chris. I'm talking about a guy from Florida State, cornerback Asante Samuel Jr., the son of, yes, Asante Samuel from the Patriots, who I believe did play with Tom Brady in, what, mid-2000s, 2007, something like oh, that? Quite a while back. Right. So Asante Samuel played on the Patriots with Brady, so obviously there's a little bit of a family connection there, likely. He's been bouncing around to, what, 20 to 40. He's been all over the place in mock drafts. CBS has him ranked at number 26. As a sophomore in 2019, Samuel was named to the third-team all ACC team. He recorded 48 tackles, one interception, and 14 pass breakups. And as a junior in 2020, he reeled in 22 tackles with six pass deflections, a forced fumble, and three interceptions. Now, I watched some tape on Asante Samuel, and I'm going to be honest with you, a lot of those interceptions were really bad throws by the quarterback. (laughs) Two out of the three. (laughs) Two out of the three were really bad throws by the quarterback. There wasn't a receiver within three yards of Asante Samuel where that ball was being thrown. So the good thing is, though, so that's a little bit of the negative, although the positive out of that is that Asante Samuel was not taking his eyes off of the quarterback. He was watching the play develop. That is a great skill set to look for. Being ranked at number 26, I'm a little surprised. It didn't seem he he is very like Sean Murphy bunting-esque. Uh, very Jamal, uh, Jamal Dean-esque, right? I, f- I think he plays along those similar skill sets that the Buccaneers already have. So playing complementary to those guys and, and seeing as though Jason Light and Bruce Aarons are going to be looking at the long view, looking at that two-year-plus year mark, could he be a player to contend with at the cornerback position? Absolutely. He doesn't oh, take absolutely. his eye off the quarterback. I think he's... He's an eagle eye. He's definitely going to watch the play unfold. One of the best plays that I've actually seen, and there was a few of them that I saw, is you know whenever the quarterback would pass out to the flat, he would be cutting down quick, and he doesn't take off his eyes from the midsection, and he cuts him down right in the middle. Like He doesn't leap at him. He doesn't leave his feet prior to, to establishing the tackle. When you do an open field tackle, you never leave your feet because you don't know where that receiver is going to go. So that's one of the key rules in football, and you don't want to do that. He doesn't do that. I think that that's a fantastic trait. He does have really good eyes, and he's fast. 
he's fast, Chris. But given the depth and given the, the youth at the cornerback position today, Chris, what are your thoughts of adding another young quarterback uh, such as Asante Samuel Jr.? I think it's necessary in this draft. Uh, you got Carlton Davis, and he is coming up at the end of his contract. And and if he is playing at the top 10 level that Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles have clamored about you know, last offseason, if he's really that good, then he's going to demand top corner money. And you know, depending on how the Bucs are willing to pay there, it, they could look to release him, You know, slide Sean Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean to the outside and, and bring in somebody like an Asante Samuel Jr. to contend with them. And it's, it's funny, you know, if we did have Asante Samuel Jr., it would pretty much be the secondary of former players' sons with Antoine Winfield Jr. back there as well. And I guess that must make Brady feel old since he played with Asante Samuel Jr. <laughs> and played against Antoine Winfield. So, so that, is, uh, that is a fun thing to think about there. Oh, that would be a lot of fun, man. It, you know, and, and, and I think that, that it would be good uh, to have that extra depth and especially with the contracts coming up. And again, if you're looking at two years or more, I think this guy is a perfect fit. Now, will he slip past 26, though? CBS has him ranked at number 26. Is there another team picking before the Buccaneers that could be nabbing him up uh, prior to? I mean, there's there, again, he's been all over the place from in, in all these mock drafts from between 20 to 40. Does he slip to 32? I mean, there's there's a good possibility of that. I mean, there are a few good corners in this draft that, that could go ahead of him. But, you know, you're looking at, at teams like the Saints who are, you know, missing that outside corner. And they got some contract issues, obviously, as we've seen. And so they could definitely use that. And then there are some other teams. I mean, every team could use cornerback depth. It's such an important position, as you were saying earlier, with the the potential for every team to always come out passing. So you always need guys in that secondary. Christian Barmore, defensive lineman from Alabama, an absolute beast, six foot five inch, 310 pounds. Just reiterating what Chris said, this guy's ranked 25th, according to CBS. And he's, he's a beast. He's a large guy. And, and as uh, Zach Blobner from WDAE said, you can never have enough guys in the trenches, get a guy in the trenches as much as you can. And if you can get someone sitting at 32, that's worth picking up. You might as well go there. Uh, And especially either someone there or someone on the edge, Speaking of, we're going to be talking about more guys in the trenches when we return after this break. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Bucks Nation. All right. Welcome back, Bucks Nation. This is Jason, your host. You can find me on Twitter at JCBucksNation. And this is Chris Schoner, and you can find me on Twitter at CynicalBucksFan. And we're going to continue the conversation about NFL draft prospects for the 2021 draft day coming up in just another week. Draft day is April 20. Uh, what is it? 29th? I think it's yeah, the 29th, 29th, right? April 29th. We're going to go ahead and continue the conversation as we were talking about before the break. We've been talking about guys in the trenches. And one of those guys that could play very easily into the Buccaneers' hands sitting at, uh, he's ranked at 28, according to CBS. And this guy has been uh, fairly favored at 32, which is Levi Anzarike. Chris and I have been practicing his last name for the past 24 hours. Levi Anzarike, defensive lineman, a tackle out of Washington. This guy, I've watched tape and I've watched it and I love watching this kid. 
Chris, he is just electric. He's fast. He's nimble. He can push guys out of his way like nothing. He's got a great stiff arm technique where he can push the guy, stand him up, and move him. I love how this guy can play. He can easily get around those guards, uh, and especially the bigger, the bigger and small or slower that these guards are. Obviously, he can uh, he can really jump up. He could bat down passes. He can do a lot that uh, Christian Barmore cannot do, uh, in my opinion. Obviously, he he does protect against the run fairly well because he is quite nimble. He stays on his toes. Uh, CBS Sports Mock did a seven-round dra- uh, mock draft, and they have him at 32. So I thought that was pretty exciting to see him land right there at 32. I've This has been my horse. Chris, this guy's been my horse since day one, I'd say for for the past four weeks I've had, I've, I've pegged this guy. And I, and it was funny. Cause you even said, you're like, dude, you really like that guy. <laughs> yeah. Every time we talk about it, you bring him up. I think he's going to be the guy. I think, you know, you got to get someone in the trenches, you know, as I mentioned, you know, Blobner from uh, WDA said it and he keeps saying it to me. Um, and I know that we talked about it with Evan winter and, and many others, you know, who do they go with at 32 and you got to go with someone in the trenches or on the outside, on the edge. I think those are the favored positions. Uh, very good three technique. Let me go through some of his stats. 2017, he was a redshirt freshman. Actually, in fact, this is kind of an interesting fact. He redshirted all three years he played in college. I thought that was interesting. So he redshirted. Uh, his freshman year recorded 16 tackles, three and a half tackles for loss, two sacks, 2018, 34 tackles. So obviously he's progressing a little bit more. Six and a half tackles for loss, three sacks. 2019, he was a redshirt junior. 45 total tackles blew up in 2019. What happened to 2020? He opted out. COVID opt out. So he he opted out of the last season, prepared for the draft, obviously. Uh, I didn't see what his uh, pro day looked like or anything else like that. I actually did not pick up on that tape. I don't know if you did. Did you see anything on on his pro day? No, I haven't really been paying too much attention to the pro day for, for him, um, but I, I can't I can't see him just going and letting it all go. You know, he's, he's got to prepare for the draft. This is what he wants. This is his dream. Well, I hope that he prepared well over the past year because that would be concerning if he opted out, didn't keep himself in football shape, and he comes back and gets hurt, you know, in training camp, you know, and that would just be a damn shame getting picked up at 32. Does that hurt? Here's a good question. If you opted out in 2020, does that hurt your draft value? Uh, looking at some guys that have opted out, there are a lot of top draft picks that have that did opt out in 2020. And, you know, a lot of them, they came with the, you know, COVID opt out and, and they, they stated that they were concerned about that. But I think a lot of it is some of these guys go and they hire people to help train them for the, you know, combine drills so that they can test well. And, and I know we didn't have the combine, but they still had the pro days. They still do the testing and they're probably getting into football shape. And I have seen a lot of guys do that um, when they did opt out this last year. So I, I, when you're talking about him being out of shape, I don't, I really don't think that he would be because he probably did something along those lines. You're listening to Bucks Nation. We are covering the first round draft of the Buccaneers, our own analysis of who we think are good prospects heading out of pick 32. There are a lot of great picks and there can be some trades still. So we don't even know what could happen. And there's an interesting pick here that you've got that I'm intrigued with. And it's actually on the other side of the ball. Who you got, Chris? 
Well, I got Terrence Marshall Jr., wide receiver out of LSU. And I know what some of you guys might be saying. Why does this team need a wide receiver? And I think it goes with every position that that has that multiple guys playing it in the trenches, the corner position, any position on, on both sides of the line. You need depth. And with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin obviously being two of the top guys in the NFL at their positions, what about that, that third spot? We, sure, we got Scotty Miller. Sure, we got Tyler Johnson. But if they were to bring in a Terrence Marshall Jr., they would elevate this offense to a place that we – we're not even able to imagine last year. This guy in 2020 only played seven games and then opted out after those seven games. But listen to these stats in only seven games. And it might be surprising. 48 catches, 731 yards for 15.2 yards per catch and 19 touchdowns, 19 touchdowns. He is a touchdown waiting to happen. And if you look at his stats over his career at LSU, he got a touchdown every four and a half catches. That is big playability. And that is something that wasn't necessarily missing from this offense, but throwing a guy in there like that, this offense could absolutely and, and be this was after number Burrow? one in the league. This was after this Burrow? This was after Burrow. This was after yeah, they Burrow. Sucked last Burrow. year, didn't they? Yeah. They were oh, terrible. Yeah. They, they, Bad quarterback play for sure, but he, you know, he still made it work, man. And he is a speedster. I saw a little bit of his pro day. He ran an unofficial 4.3840 time, and that is lightning quick. And at that 6.3205 frame, that is scary. I really like this. I love this pick because I think you're right. You got to look at the long view. What's going to happen in two plus years? Do we put him in there? and start competing starting as early as next year against Tyler Johnson? Or are we looking for a complimentary piece to Tyler Johnson? Boom, right there, baby. Like, I mean, yeah, with Godwin in there, and, and people are calling Tyler Johnson mini Godwin, and then you can just smack uh, you know, Marshall Jr. on the outside, and he can just run those go routes all day. Well, consider this, right? Chris Godwin, he's on a, he's on a one-year. He's on the tag. He's on the tag. How easy could it be for the Buccaneers to say, listen, we gave it another try. Either they didn't make it or they did make it. And they say, listen, hit the market. You're worth it, right? See what you can get. Now, the Buccaneers may say, hey, look, no, we want to sign you to another four-year, five-year deal and really give him the payday that he's been look that he probably deserves at that point. Yeah, I'm hoping for the that. Season that he does have. But what if, and there is that option that Chris Godwin does not return next year finding that complimentary piece. And I think what well, we have uh, uh, Evans for two, two years, this season and the next season, if I'm not mistaken, am I right on that? How many years? I'm not 100% sure on that. I, I think he signed like a pretty long contract a few years ago. It was like a six year, something like that. A few years back. I mean, Evans is going to be the guy he's obviously the, he's the highlighted guy, right? He's the number one wide receiver on this team. Godwin easily one and a half to two right now, right? I think they're fairly even, but I think Mike Evans clearly is the number one. Godwin being the number two there. Terrace Marshall coming in could absolutely be electric. I'm really excited. You're listening to Bucks Nation. We're talking about the Buccaneers first round draft pick. I don't know. We're going off the rails here, man. We're talking about below 32, above 32. When we return after this break, we're going to get into our last segment. we got a couple of great players that I think you guys are going to be really interested in in a couple of different positions. You guys don't want to miss it. You're listening to Bucks Nation podcast. We'll be right back. Well, 
Welcome back into the Bucks Nation podcast. I'm your host, Jason Curtis. You can find me at JC Bucks Nation on Twitter. And I'm here with my co-host, Chris Schoenherr. We are talking about pick number 32, the Buccaneers NFL Draft 2021. Some exciting picks so far. Let's do a real, a real quick recap here, Chris. So we talked about Christian Barmore, defensive lineman, Alabama, an absolute beast, but sucks at protecting against the run. Asante Samuel Jr., cornerback out of Florida State, Although had a very crappy season last year as a team, Asante Samuel Jr. does seem to be the highlight of that defense. Son of Asante Samuel. Can we see a father-son duo uh, play with Tom Brady uh, <laughs> uh, at, with the Buccaneers? It'll be very interesting. Uh, he will officially be the old man at that point. Amazing corner. He keeps his eye on the cor- on the quarterback. And he could play a very good role uh, within the next year to two years, complementary to those remaining corners uh, on the Buccaneers. Levi Anzarike. Um, So that is a a name that I think a lot of people are not familiar with. A lot of people have been saying Anwazarike. Looked up the pronunciation. Anzarike, defensive lineman from Washington. This guy's an absolute, absolute beast. He's fast. He's quick. He's nimble. Great three technique. He can do the swim move. He does a nice stiff arm move. He's very fast. He's tall. He can knock down balls, and he can also get around, protect against the run. I think this guy, if he falls to 32, he is my horse. If I had money to bet on this thing, I will bet on it. Absolutely, hands down. This is my dude. He did opt out in 2020. Does that hurt his draft value? Not sure. Watching his his tape, man, 2019, he was just an absolute beast with 45 total tackles. Chris, you went ahead and talked about Terrace Marshall Jr., a very interesting pick out of LSU, blew up in 2020, non-Burrow, not being Burrow there, uh, still racked up over 700 yards, which is pretty amazing. CBS has him ranked at 37. Now we're going to go ahead and talk about some other guys we talked about in the trenches. And I'm going to talk about the other side in the trenches. Could we find some complimentary pieces to that stellar offensive line? Yes, Chris. We finally have a stellar offensive line. Would you never ever thought we'd be saying that? I never no. ever imagined it. <laughs> Holy shit, man. Jason Light finally put together a really beautiful offensive line. Alex Kappa, Ryan Jensen, Tristan Wirfs. But there's one guy that you and I have been super critical about. And who is that? That is Donovan Smith. Donovan <laughs> Smith has been really slow. He finally lights it up in the playoffs. He shows up to play. He obviously was wavering at the beginning of the season whether or not he would opt out or not. He was just, he, he unfortunately was not on point as much as we probably all wanted to be all, all season, season long. long. Yeah, all season long. And the guy was just not protecting Tom Brady. And where Brady was getting hit, it was off that left side. Alex Leatherwood, offensive lineman, left tackle from Alabama. Beast. This guy's a beast. Watching this guy's film, and I was watching his highlights from last season, and this guy stays on his toes. He looks at his play. He's not worried about what's happening to the right. He's not worried about what's happening to the left. He sees the edge rusher coming in on that left side, and he stands him up. He makes sure that he keeps him on the outside in pass protection, or he drills into him on on that run play. He's a great offensive lineman. He's someone you definitely want to have. I really like the fact that he was able, 
he's not one of those offensive linemen that just kind of bear hugs you and holds you. He keeps you in front of you and he stands you up and, and I'm using my hands here and Chris could see me. He's probably, <laughs> but he stands you up with his hands and just jabs his hands in there, stands you up and stuns you and keeps you away from that quarterback. And that's what you're looking for. That's what Donovan Smith does not have. And that's what I think the Buccaneers absolutely need. If they could pick this guy up, this would be huge. CBS has him ranked at 39. He has a draft rating of 87.03. I'm assuming that's out of 100. 87.03. Good for footwork. Strong seal blocker. Now, CBS and a couple other sites that I was looking at do say he has got poor upper body technique. However, I'm looking at it, and I think he's got great upper body technique. Now, maybe because you kind of want to have, you want to bring him in, and you don't want to sit it, because the moment you put him in front, what can happen? You can get that break arm technique with that defensive lineman just chopping down on those arms, breaking your arms, and you don't want that, right? So you want to try and get under him. So that's a little bit tough, too. But I think this guy is someone that could come in and and now that we've lost a couple pieces with uh, uh who did we lose we lose uh Aaron Stinney right no Aaron Stinney's still around who we did lost we lose? uh Josh Wells Joe Haig we lost Joe, Joe Haig Aaron I'm not Stinney sure if Wells... he was the first one to resign that's right okay. Joe Haig and uh, we lost AQ now he's a coach but AQ Shipley right yeah so, poor guy too many injuries yeah 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 I know uh, but you know what? We need that depth. We need the depth. And again, looking at it at two years, and if Donovan Smith does go down again like he did last last year, uh, having a guy on that left side is absolutely worth it. But I want to hear from you. I want to know, based on what you see today, what the, the pieces that we have today with Donovan Smith on the left, we've got Tristan Wirfs on the right, is Alex Leatherwood, Leatherwood if I can say this correctly, is he the perfect fit? For this team at 32. I mean, based on his size, and and I know how they say that he has poor upper body technique. And and yeah, sure, I can see a little bit of that. He has great hands, great arms. He's really good at that extension, like you were talking a little bit about earlier, showing me a little bit through the camera there. Um, but I don't know. There's something in the water at Alabama. These offensive linemen right? are always coming out, and they are always dominant. And if we can get any sort of Alabama left tackle like an Alex Leatherwood, fantastic. Let's take it. Sure, Donovan Smith became a little bit of the playoff Donnie there, but the lack of consistency is something that has been concerning for years and years now. How much do we trust a playoff run? And, and you know, looking at Alex Leatherwood and, and, and seeing that he is definitely something like that um, out of Alabama – I actually have another exciting Alabama pick and, you know, some guys might not like this one too much, but I am looking at Najee Harris running back Alabama. That's a spicy one. one. That's a spicy one. I like that. And I've seen him fall to 32, man. But the question is, does he fall to 32? That's the question. It really depends, man. You see it all over the place. He either is being picked up in the top 20 or he's fallen all the way down to the second round. And, and I don't really see that one, but with the Bucks being the gatekeepers of the second round with that 32nd pick, if someone like Harris falls to that spot, this guy is someone who would instantly improve this backfield. Sure. They got Giovanni Bernard. They got Ronald Jones. They have Leonard Fournette and they have Keyshawn Vaughn. 
But tell me, Jason, who do they have on contract after this upcoming season? Oh, that's right. Yeah, Rojo, right? So that, no, only Vaughn. Vaughn oh, is Vaughn's, the only no, Vaughn, one. Rojo is on the contract year, yeah, so he's not going to be back. Year. Vaughn is the only guy. You're absolutely right. Yep. And going into that, what? Who are they going to pick up? What, who are they going to wait till next year to draft somebody, or do they want somebody to come in and learn? And looking at Harris's stats, this guy last year, 251 attempts. 1,466 yards, 26 touchdowns. Just like Marshall earlier, this guy's a touchdown machine. And he also comes with that soft hands, great route running, pass catching ability. 43 catches, 425 yards, and four touchdowns in 2020. But in 2019, he racked up seven touchdowns through the air. And and he is just someone who is electric. And what I love so much about him is he does not shy away from contact. He is always ready to just plow right through a guy, and he is an absolute beast at it. But not only that, not only that, he will absolutely juke you out of your shoes. I I can't say enough about him. He's got wiggle. He's really jittery running style. He has great vision, can follow blocks. And and the only thing that I might knock him with, he doesn't have a great uh top speed and he might throw in an unnecessary cut every once in a while that might let him get tackled a little bit earlier than he wanted but he is big play written all over him and with this this offense relying so much on running backs now with Tom Brady you know going out to go catch stuff this guy can line up even as a wide receiver he's 62225 absolute beast i mean, this guy beast. yeah i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to have your pass catching and and Brady loves those pass catching running backs. Obviously, he's had them all his, his entire career. And this guy, yeah, 6'2". I mean, come on. I mean, that's that's what you're looking for. You don't want someone that's short, um, you know, that you'd have to be looking over these towering defensive linemen, right? Or looking mm-hmm. on the outside. Look at what, what they have. They have all these tight ends, Right. And so you got three prolific, using my word again, the prolific tight end that we have, the three of them, Gronkowski, only on a year. Uh, Brait, I think, is only is the only one on a long term, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. So, listen, you've got to have those short pattern guys that can th- get that quick screen pass. You know, Bruce Aarons, Byron Leftwich, they love the screen pass. So, obviously, making sure that they have someone that has those good hands, getting Fournette, and getting Gio Bernard was absolutely critical, and I thought that was a great pickup. But again, one year, you got to look two years out. And I want to, and I want to remind everybody as well: as we went through all these picks, we have to realize that last year's stats and everything that you guys are looking at. If you're looking at 2020, consider one of two things: one, did they opt into 2020? Did they keep themselves in football shape? The other part is they were only playing eight, ten game seasons. Right. Wasn't it like 10 game seasons, depending on depending the, on the conference were, yeah. and depending like the Ohio State played only six games. Right. Um, oh, a lot of people of the, had an issue with that when they went into the playoffs. Oh, like come on, man. I had a problem with that. That was ridiculous. And then they had to, like, do some waiver thing or whatever. Um, but honestly, I mean, these guys have played really hard in a tough season with no offseason and all that stuff that they had to still come together just like the NFL and play a much shorter season. A lot of them played conference-only seasons, so they were playing teams that they were very used to and accustomed to. So just keep that in mind when we're looking at it. I like the Najee Harris pick. 
I don't know if he falls that far. I think that there are plenty of other teams we would have to trade up, I think, in order to get Najee Harris. I think it's going to be him or Travis Etienne that are going to be picked up probably 20 or earlier. But if you want to be optimistic, think about there's always that first round guy that just whoop, slides for whatever reason. You know, maybe they they have some picture of them with them uh, doing something like Laramie Tunsil or something that comes out on the <laughs> day of the draft. And they might slide a bit. Oh, what was he um, doing? But, Smoking weed, right? That's what he was yeah, doing. Yeah. That big old gas mask. The gas guy. mask. Love it. <laughs> But yeah, they could they could slide and and Harris has been mocked sliding in in some in some mock drafts and some rankings. He he slides to the top around too. And like I said earlier, Bucks being the gatekeepers, if he's there, I don't think you can pass up on it. Now, what if here's the other question for you before we cut out here? The Najee Harris and Travis Etienne, they're both available at 32. Who do you go? You know, I think last week I picked Etienne, but after watching Harris's tape more. I, I spent probably way too much time. I'm going Harris. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know what it is. I love the contact. I love, he's always finishing with a shoulder, no matter what, every single time he is just absorbing contact. Maybe, maybe not good for longevity purposes, but boy, is it fun to watch. And Terrace Marshall Jr. An absolute crazy pick. And I think that would be exciting to see if now, I don't think that Terrace Marshall would be pick, picked over Najee Harris, um, Terrace Marshall um, no Jr. Ranked, yeah, he's he's ranked at 37. Najee Harris has been picked, uh, ranked at 35. Uh, Najee Harris is probably one of the best picks. I still have my money on Levi Anzarike, defensive lineman out of Washington. I, I, I'm i stoked about that, dude. I don't know. You and I might you have to Najee do some side going, bets. You going Najee going or Levi. you going Anzarike? No, I'm going Levi. I'm going Levi. Even if, even if, even if he's there, even if. Oh, there, you had to put that out on me. Damn you! I can't do that. No, you got to go Najee. It's like picking your favorite kid. I know you can't do that. <laughs> oh man! All right, everybody, that'll wrap it up for us here on our special 2021 NFL Draft Bucks coverage. We are on the clock, round one, pick 32 with the Buccaneers. And it's going to be exciting happening going down April 29th next Thursday. Really excited. NFL Draft. You can find me on Twitter at JCBucksNation. And you can also tweet the show or message us with any questions or comments at BucksNationPod. And don't forget, you can find me on Twitter at CynicalBucksFan. And do not forget to check out all of our written articles at BucksNation.com, where all of our writers bring you the best in Buccaneers headlines and storylines. All right, stay tuned. We're going to be coming back with episode six and seven on our 2021 NFL Draft coverage begins today, y'all. Submit a question, make a shout out in our brand new mailbag at Twitter, or by emailing us at BucksNationPodcast at gmail.com. Leave us your name and a message. We'll get it up on the air in an upcoming show. Leave us a review on Apple, iHeartRadio, or wherever you download and stream the Bucks Nation Podcast channel. Until next time, wave your flags high and fire the cannons! See ya!